Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunts here on Tuesday. Brunts, we had a, uh, a news-filled Friday. Uh, it started at about 8.55 in the morning, I believe. One Brett McMurphy of Stadium tweeted out that Nebraska was uh, looking to reschedule its Oklahoma game this year, and that sent uh, shockwaves through the fan base through the media, through the college football world. I mean, as I as I think I tweeted, and I'm sure other people noted as well, Nebraska and, and always wonders about its national relevance. And, uh, you know, a story like this points out that they still very much can be on the scene, but often for reasons that you don't want to be affiliated with. Certainly not in March. That, that's not uh, – not you, you, don't, you don't want to be on the scene in March. That's not good. So what would be the reasons that would be good if you were on the scene in March? Uh, well, if, if you're for a football program, um, so, some really hot spring football takes. Is that, is that why you want to be on the scene? Maybe you got a, uh, a, a, a first round quarterback out there chucking to, to wide receivers on air in front of NFL scouts. Tanner Lee. Okay. Yep. Um, I think that's about it football wise. I mean, maybe you're, you're you can get a portal edition, maybe. Yeah, you're kicking ass in the portal, maybe. That's that's uh that that might be one. Um, but yeah, there's not there's not a lot of reasons to to really be in there. We need to make a power rankings of the best to the worst months to be in the uh, the talk of the college football sphere. Yeah, Mark feels like that would be like among the like May seems like that'd be the worst. Like is May number one. <laughs> If you're being discussed in any form or fashion in May, it's probably not a good thing. Because yeah. what what happens in May? Guys transfer and scheduling comes out. Like or like coaches at Ohio State get fired. Yeah, yeah. Like it's that I I think May would probably be towards the front of my list. July is probably right there as well. Uh, isn't July like peak Big Ten or not just Big Ten, but um media media obligation season so then you get the hey watch out for this team they could be a real dark horse yeah i mean i i suppose being talked about the espn car wash would be slightly ahead of you know that night game with ohio state that gets talked about in may yeah i think may and april aren't good months to be to be at the forefront of the college football conversation no no so you Nebraska know, just, found itself there in March. What is that? But Nebraska found itself there in March. They did. And, uh, you know, for about seven-ish hours, there was some consideration that uh, – more six hours, I guess. But, you know, yeah, six hours. There was some wondering if Nebraska and Oklahoma, a game that had been scheduled when Tom Osborne was an athletic director, uh, to kind of capitalize on the 50-year – not really anniversary because the game's not going to be played at the same time, but 50 years roughly – since the game of the century between Nebraska and Oklahoma, one of the, the prouder wins in program history, one of the most notable games in college football history. And that was all seemingly in jeopardy. Um, you know, the way that this information came out sort of in waves a little bit where there's the skepticism of, okay, this really can't be true to, well, now you have Oklahoma's AD and Oklahoma's head coach commenting on how they hope to play that game, suddenly this feels very much like a, 
hey, maybe there is some legs to this. What what was kind of your thoughts on Friday as this was playing out? Yeah, I mean, I think the initial shock kind of wore off, and then you kind of start looking at, you know, who's reporting it. Um, you know, I, and then Brett McMurphy also had a pretty detailed report that actually had schools that Nebraska had reportedly looked, reached out to, um, among you remember them, the schools, among them, old dominion and some Mac schools. Um, but which Mac schools, <laughs> all of them, like because Nebraska only ever plays Northern Illinois. And now I guess they're playing Buffalo. Yeah. Um, I guess they, they were supposed to play Akron, but it did not happen. If they replaced that game with Ohio and had Frank Solich coming in, would that have eased the sting at all? You'd still get to play an OU. It'd still be a reunion. Um, but no, I don't think that it would have uh, – I don't think it would have made the, the people happy. So, you know, the, the thing that was interesting, and I, I think you and I had talked about this as it was going on, was Nebraska was – eerily quiet for a large part of the day um and that was a story where if there was absolutely no legs to it you could bat that one down pretty quickly and we waited and waited and finally got the statement that yes indeed nebraska had uh at least gone down the avenue of looking at getting another home game in order to according to the statement offset the very real financial sting that they've taken from COVID-19, which, you know, a lot of schools have, have had to kind of take on the chin. And, you know, it, the game is on. We know that. Uh, and then it was kind of the whole back and forth of, okay, well, why, why was this? Why and who, um, you know, and, and kind of getting into the weeds on that. Um, my take, I mean, I can understand if, if, if the financial piece of it was the driving force behind exploring that. Um, okay. I can, I get that. Um, you know, no other schools around the country are, are shifting games around because of it. Yeah. Also, um, as we saw um, with, with the Sean Eichhorst situation with black Friday, you know, Nebraska fans, I think it's safe to say are generally, um, the types of, of fans that value tradition. They, they like things like the Black Friday game. They like resuming that, that traditional rivalry with Oklahoma. Um, that was a game that I know a lot of people were very much looking forward to. Uh, it, it seemed like there wasn't very much room reading going on to potentially move that game or push it back or, or, or change it. I mean, I, I just don't – I don't think it uh, – it wasn't a good move. It didn't sit well with a lot of Nebraska fans that it was at least considered. Um, obviously the game's still going on, but um, it, it was, uh, you know, optics, you know, can change, but the optics of that were not good at all in, in any way, shape or form. Do you think it's made worse by the fact that Nebraska and in particular Bill Moose was so vocal about the schedule the Huskers were playing in the COVID year of 2020 because to me if you don't have bill moose sort of out there complaining about nebraska's crossover games suggesting crossover games shouldn't count suggesting scott frost deserves a break like 
and we don't know whose role or who did what uh, as it relates to this Oklahoma thing, but there's already a history of kind of this idea that Nebraska can't match up with these teams from inside their own athletic department that made it worse to me. Like that was the thing that stood out. It's like, okay, we did this in October where, Oh my God, throw a pity party. We have to play Ohio state, then Wisconsin, then Penn state. Oh no. Woe is us. Uh, Excuse me. Sorry. I forgot about Northwestern who went to the, the, the big 10 championship game. And then turn around and it's like Nebraska's looking for a game to play against a max score old dominion, which the delicious irony of that to me is that it's very obvious in my opinion that it's to try to lighten your schedule. And yet Nebraska couldn't beat Illinois and Minnesota at home last year with decided advantages in both games. So I, I kind of looked at it from a, from if that hadn't happened the year before, maybe people would have been more willing to accept the financial aspect of it. But you also hit the nail on the head when you said that no one else was doing this. And we're talking about a game that's happening in six months. We're not talking about a game that's six years down the line or all the other dumb scheduling stuff that pops up. It's one in which Nebraska's coaches would have already taken a cursory glance at Oklahoma. They would already kind of know what they're looking at. And so the idea that this would just kind of like happen in such short notice, and then you would do irreparable harm to your relationship with Oklahoma, I would imagine. Because why would they want to schedule you again if you just drop? And then you lose the home game in 2022 that everyone around here is looking forward to. So I I just, I mean, you said that the room wasn't red. I I think the room was flat out ignored. And then thankfully, cooler heads came to uh, prevail and this game is still going to happen. Yeah, it's, I mean, your point too I think about you know last year and and the conversation around you know to play or not to play I mean you saw nationally a lot of people kind of dunking on Nebraska for the not necessarily the the complaints about the way the schedule shook out but also um more so the like the I, I saw the Uzbekistan video going around a lot um you know, I saw, you know, a lot of the, you know, willing to play anybody anywhere, that kind of thing where, you know, the, the idea that Nebraska fought to play and then now they're, you know, the, the perception is they're, they're ducking Oklahoma um, because Oklahoma is going to be damn good next year, um, which is interesting too. I mean, you look at the way Nebraska's, even if you, even if you would have added Old Dominion, you know, you still have Ohio State and Michigan and probably a top 10 difficulty yep. schedule, even without Oklahoma on there, too. So, you know, it's, it's not like the the road would get significantly easier. I mean, I guess you'd get a home game, um, which Nebraska only has one in that first month. Um, so I don't know. It, it's it, it was I'll be curious to see what Scott Frost says about it, because with Nebraska starting spring ball later in March, he hasn't had to do any media um, since basically signing day, I think was the last time that he uh, took questions. So that's something he's going to be asked about. I'm guessing, you know, the next time Bill Moose does a, uh, a call-in show, whenever that is, um, that, that will probably be a topic among the 
temperature of runzas and everything else that gets brought up on those shows. So popcorn. Yeah. Popcorn. So, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, I, I think there's, you know, big picture. Yeah. The game's going on. It, that's settled. There's no change in that, but you know, I think a little bit more clarity from, from both the head coach and the athletic director, um, you know, would be, would be a welcome thing. I mean, I, I think every, we're getting to that point now, I think with the, the fan base too, where you're seeing people kind of creep over into one camp or yeah, it's divided people creeping over into one camp anyway. So people are going to read into it what they're going to read into it. But I think a little bit more clarity there would be a, would be a welcome thing, even though, even if it's going to be a little uncomfortable. You know what unifies a fractured fan base? Winning football games. Yeah, I've been told that. So that uh, that seems like that might be of, of premium emphasis. All right, let's uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll dive into some Nebraska basketball trans. I almost said transactions, transfers. Uh, they don't have transactions in college basketball, right? I don't know. Depends. They don't well, have McDonald's bags. Is that what you mean? Is that what you're implying? No, this is not what I mean. And all those players with McDonald's bags ended up at Oklahoma anyways, so we can just put a bow on all of it. Yeah. Well, if Blue Chips taught us anything, that stuff doesn't help you. So, Blue Chips taught us a lot of lessons in life. <laughs> Mostly that TV is more than just watching the tube. You don't just watch the tube. All right. We're going we're gonna to take a break. We're going to come back. We'll dive into some Nebraska basketball. We'll get a little Nebraska baseball. Brent's going to let us know uh, where things sit. Nebraska went 2-2 two and two this weekend, correct? They did. Continued to blast some home runs. Pitching got to them a little bit? A little bit. All right. Well, we'll get, uh, we'll get those thoughts and more when we return. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. All right, so Nebraska basketball, Fred Hoiberg had told us this was coming. He said that he was going to have conversations with players on his roster, that uh, personnel decisions were going to happen. He felt like the bulk of the group was going to come back. And Monday rolls around. Nebraska has transfer announcements from Yvonne Wade-Draogo, Elijah Wood, Akola Rope. We still don't know what is going to happen with Kobe Webster or Thor. And I, I think that there could still be another player that could potentially leave Nebraska basketball, but we will see uh, what happens. Is there your initial reactions to, to Monday's news for basketball, Bruns? 
not not a surprise. I mean, I you knew there was going to be attrition. You know what Nebraska has coming in next year. Um, you know the way college basketball is, and I mean, you look at the the those three guys. I mean, Elijah Wood played only late, very late in blowouts, or um, either way, I guess. Um, Cola Rope just you know played okay his freshman year, missed last year with the knee injury. I mean, I think he's probably going to end up at South Dakota State. Drake or Omaha. I mean, those are the the three kind of likely candidates for him. I think that's probably the level that would suit him better basketball wise. And, and with Ivan, you know, I, I think he had a really rough season. I mean, you get passed on the depth chart by Eduardo Andre. Um, you know, he didn't play in several of the last few games for Nebraska. So, you know, I, I think everybody kind of knew where things were headed and, you know, I, I do think that there's, you know, potentially some more attrition. Um, I think I'm guessing you're talking Shamil Stevenson or at least a question of him maybe having to make a decision based on the podcast last week. Yeah. It's an interesting one. I mean, he's been, you know, at Pitt, he's been at Nevada briefly, um, been at Nebraska. So um, that'll be an interesting one, but I think Nebraska will be fine in terms of, you know, returning their core group of guys that you can finally build around and add to. So that bodes well. The, the you know, the, now they have, you know, they're awaiting decisions from Thor and Kobe Webster who don't count towards uh, the scholarship count next year. Uh, and, and Nebraska now has three spots available to potentially add, um, you know, so, some immediate help. Um, some guys who you know might be sit outs, even though it sounds like the NCAA is going to go towards the the one time transfer thing. So get a point guard, get some post help, and and maybe a guy in the wing. And I think you're you're looking pretty good um, for for next season. Point guard to me, Mike J. Schaefer is the biggest need that Nebraska has right now in that roster. Yeah, it seems that way because you can kind of structure your lineup. And then that can get us into sort of the really, I think, interesting conversations of what does Delano Banton's role become uh, as what I think would be maybe the sixth man next year. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I think for him, you know, if he's not the one initiating the offense, um, you know, he's going to have to kind of be that that change of pace guy that can kind of do everything for you off the bench. And again, I mean, I think, I think we hit on this before the biggest thing for him in this off season is going to be proving that he can knock down shots from the outside with consistency. If he does that, he's infinitely more valuable um, to, to what Nebraska is going to be doing next season. If it's still a lot of him going to the rim, um, you know, kind of, picking and, and eating a little bit, I guess, in different spots too. Um, I, I think, you know, that probably limits his, um, you know, how much he can actually help or, or, you know, help beyond what he did this year. So uh, it'll be a big off season for him to skill wise, I think. And, you know, the, I, I think when you kind of look at the types of players that Nebraska is already being mentioned with at least reaching out to and Nebraska is going to reach out to a lot of people on that, uh, the, you know, guys that are in the portal now, it, the, the biggest need is that, is that guy that can run the point, run the show, play with pace and allow Trey McGowan's to kind of play off the ball and occasionally play point. Cause I think he's going to have to, but, um, 
I, I think that's one need that they have to have. Cause I think for the most part, you know, wing wise, they're fine. Um, you know, I, I would like to see him have a little bit of post depth because I don't think Will Will Bradenbach is going to be more of a, he's not going to be a traditional back to the basket type guy. He's an emphasis on the stretch part of the four. Yes, he's particularly stretchy. So that that's kind of where things stand now. I mean, I you I, I was going back the other day to the original conversation that Matt Abdelmassi had with media after they were hired here. And he was talking about kind of the way that that transfer recruitment works. And especially now with guys not being able to take visits, they're really quick recruitments. It's checking in with a guy. Hey, this is the opportunity. Interested? No, cool. I mean, it's, it's basically recruiting speed dating in some ways. So, I mean, that's why I say, you know, Nebraska is going to be mentioned, you know, connected to a lot of guys, but, you know, I I think there's going to, be a, a small handful of guys that actually end up being serious options for Nebraska. Do you think that the the Matt Abdel recruiting wall sort of looks like that that you'd see in a detective show where there's just the snapshot photos and the string and all of it to try to connect? And he's I, I, making a big RICO case for the federal government or something. I feel like it wouldn't even be worth the time to do that with the way, like, it's like you, you got to cut the, more time to put that up than to actually. Yeah. Like, it's like, this looks great, but the five of these guys have already committed by now. Like he's, he's not up there like cutting yarn out. Um, so. I, I like the idea. Like he has red <laughs> yarn for ones that he feels good about, like black yarn for ones that they've reached out to yeah. white yarn for like the backup options. I don't know. I, I would like to, I'd like to see this happen. And it's, I mean, it's, it's not like – the other part of it is, too, is it's not like schools are waiting for guys to hit the portal either before they know whether they have a chance or not, you know? Like, Sounds like you're accusing of collusion, Brunts. Well, I mean, it's you, – you call a coach and basically say, okay, is this guy going somewhere? Like, is, is, does he already know where he's going? If so, great. Like, check that guy off the list. And I, I, that's – I mean, there, there's not uh, – you just got to be nimble. And I, I think he's among the best in the country at doing it. They've shown they can do it. And, you know, I, I think the thing that helps honestly too in, in Nebraska, you know, trying to get transfers is they have a core now that you can kind of say, these yeah. are our guys. This is a very specific role that you have. Not like, Hey, we're bringing in seven guys that we hope can mesh and gel and, yeah. you know, whatever. So. That's a great point. I, you know, and I think it's probably a decent pitch of like, Hey, you know, we've got, this is kind of what it looks like. And we've, we've got our, we've got our big, we've got a wing player here that is coming in. That's a five-star. And I I wonder, I don't know if Bryce McGowan's name would carry weight necessarily to kids that are already playing college basketball, but the idea that like you're bringing in someone who's that good might reinforce the, you know, that you're trying to go somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I, my sense is, is that there's probably at least an awareness of the McGowan's family, given Trey's, you know, Trey was a pretty good recruit himself. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you throw the five-star thing out there. It probably doesn't matter the name that's behind it in all honesty, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that changes the pitch a little bit, especially from, you know, last season where it was a complete reset of the deck. Yeah. What what would you besides point guard? I mean, 
is it a post? Like, what do you what's what do you think Nebraska also needs to add? Shooter, I'm more than even opposed to just if you get a guy that you can be someone that comes in and knocks down a few shots a game from the corner for you. Like, I I just think that's such an important role that I don't know. You know, I want Lat to be that guy, but I don't know if he will be. Um, I don't. I I just and you know Thor. I think. 20, 2019, 2020 version of Thor when he was hitting 45% of his threes uh, and you stick him in the corner and he can be that player and then he can do a little bit of the passing and he's obviously an all energy defender. Um, that's valuable. And so I, I, I kind of wonder how much of their decisions are going to be based on like our, our Thor and Kobe coming back or are either of those guys coming back or neither of them coming back or do you weigh like, what's out there versus what you already know. Uh, because I, at some point I would expect by before the end of this week, we're going to either get a goodbye message or we're getting another uh, Jordan Belfort, if you will. He's going to go back to that. Well, again, I mean, I, maybe, I think maybe if, if you're Thor and you're coming back, you have Jojo Doman announce it on your behalf. Yeah. I, here's the thing with Thor and Webster. And I, and I always hesitate to say this about Thor because it seems like every year that people write him off, he's always like a part of what Nebraska is doing. But I feel like if he came back for another year, he would have to accept a diminished role. Is that fair? Oh, I think that's fair. I and I, that's fair. And I actually really liked what Kobe Webster was doing towards the end of the year. And I think he was a pretty valuable leadership voice for Nebraska this year. But, I mean, I, I think, especially Thor, because I think he's going to have no shortage of opportunities to play in Europe. But, um, you know, the, the conversation for those guys are whether they're okay with their minutes decreasing, you know, being in there for very spot work versus, you know, all of a sudden being a part of the starting lineup late in the year. Like, I, I just don't, I don't foresee that for either of those guys if they come back. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I agree. Um, yeah, I I definitely agree there. All right. Well, uh, let's get let's get a little baseball here. Let's. Um, so Nebraska's five and three, right? I have that right. They went They're, two and that, two. And that's three correct. One. So what? what is up for them next? Cause I think they've got at least one more series before their first home series. They uh, fresh off of a playing Iowa twice last weekend. They now go to Iowa for a three game series this weekend, traditional three game series. So what you're seeing in the big 10 early on, I'll just, we'll start there and zoom in. So Michigan and Indiana, as you expected, were, are, are, are a cut above the other teams in the conference. They're both seven and one right now um, and, and look like they're not going to fade. Like they, they both can pitch. They've got dudes and you've got this kind of soft middle in the big 10 where it's Nebraska, Iowa, Ohio state, Illinois, you know, there's four or five teams in that middle that are just cannibalizing each other right now. And that's, that was the problem with the Big Ten choosing to go to a conference-only setup is that you were just going to 
kill whatever bubble type teams you had more than likely. And that's how it's played out so far. So Nebraska, and we can zoom in a little bit more five and three, they have been in every game that they've lost. Um, Probably should have swept Purdue the first weekend and you know, they, they lose six to four uh, in the first game on Sunday. Then they lose three to one in the second game. And the, the offense is, you know, I, I thought coming into the season, they'd be able to hit. I think they've shown at times that they have been able to, but I think the thing that's impressed me the most is the pitching staff's been pretty good. I mean, like you allow four runs in the first game of a doubleheader on a Sunday and then three in the second game on a Sunday after you played all weekend. I mean, that should probably be good enough for you to win. And it hasn't been. So, you know, the challenge is how do you find the right mix of guys? And they've shuffled the lineup a lot the first two weekends to get more consistency from the offense. They're probably striking out more than they uh, would like right now. I think that's been an issue through the first two weekends. Um, but that, that's, that's the challenge right now is how do you start getting more consistency out of your offense? Because I think, I think the pitching has been good enough to probably win, probably start 8-0. I mean, that, they, they've been that good. Yeah, it's tough because they've only had eight games. And it's not like – I mean, it's not like a normal year where you hit conference play where you played these non-conference games and you kind of had a chance to experiment with the lineup a little bit or, you know – it it's such a condensed season that they're either going to hit a hot spell or a cold spell as baseball teams often do. And how they're able to play through it is going to be kind of fascinating to watch. So um, I, I just think that it's going to be uh, with that offense, like the, the magic number to me is just kind of five. Like if they can get to five runs in any game, they're probably going to win 65% of the time, 70% of the time. But, yeah. um, you know, it doesn't seem like it should be that difficult to get to. But Right. Well, and it'll be it'll be interesting this this weekend. I mean, this is the first three game series they played. Um, you know, the if you look at, you know, just the way that last weekend broke out in Minnesota, I mean, every team that had a double header that weekend got swept. So um, I don't know how much of that. That'll be something I think to tr- kind of track over the course of the year with those these pod setups that they've got, but um, you know, I, I think with a more condensed schedule, Nebraska's pitching is going to be even better. And then it's just yeah. a matter of whether you can back it up with the runs. Right. All right. Well, let's uh, you have anything you want to close with here? Yeah. I've got a question for you. you so got I got a question for you. So some stuff has started trickling out this week about what the NCAA recruiting period is going to look like for the summer. And as of now, um, it sounds like the dead period is going to be lifted for the month of June. It also sounds like some conferences are considering a lot or the NCAA, excuse me, is allowing, is thinking about allowing seniors to be, to work out individually for um, college programs on campus outside of a traditional camp setting. So Maybe Joe Three Star is trying to get an offer from Nebraska. Nebraska says, "Hey, come, you know, work out," and they get a kind of take a closer look at the kid that way. So, I guess first off, 
what is the month of June going to look like for Nebraska if the dead period does indeed lift? And then what do you make of the potential for guys being able to just work out for programs outside of just the traditional camp? Have you seen, has it been explained that this would take place instead of camps? Because I, I'm still not sure they want to have like actual camps yet. Do they? Uh, well, I think happen. I, I, that, that was outside of that. So I think you would potentially have, you know, maybe some small, on-campus things. I, I think uh, I don't think you're going to see satellite camps, but I think you would potentially see um, like a traditional Friday Night Lights camp or something like that. So, well, I, I think June's going to be insane. Uh, whenever this thing gets lifted, it's going to be insane. And we've already seen uh, some Nebraska targets have different dates at which they're allegedly going to be taking official visits uh, based on the schedule opening up. And I, I've reached out to Nebraska to, for a comment as to what, um, or if, you know, if they're looking at scheduling official visits, you know, I haven't heard anything on that. So I can't report anything there yet, but I would assume that like everyone else, they're following this close enough that they want their ducks in a row that when it does indeed lift, they've got a couple key visit weekends that they're trying to push guys to then we will see that play out. But it's going to be competitive. It's going to be chaotic. If you do have those camps, you're going to have, you know, kids are going to be all over the place. Um, I wonder I wonder if the midweek visit isn't more valuable than ever. Um, you know, for Nebraska, which has done a pretty nice job of always kind of being flexible with schedules, getting guys in, because – people are going to hoard weekends and you're a program that isn't super successful. What is the pitch going to be to, to come to Nebraska on a weekend instead of Wisconsin, if you're going for a Midwest kid, like that's, that's a real thing they're going to have to figure out. And then I also think they have to be smart about it too. Like you want to focus on your official visits with kids that are coming from further away. And maybe you can convince the Gavin Myers and, and Canics of the world and, um, or knack. I, I, I don't even know how it's pronounced. I give up. But um, Quentin Conley, the guys that are close, maybe you can convince them to come in for an unofficial first before you worry about having them in for an official as well. So there's a lot of different ways that this can play out, but just anticipate that should it open, uh, Nebraska is going to be really busy. This, so this is going to be really busy. So here's a second question. And I guess this is my, my final one, unless your answer sparks more questions. So Nebraska has tended to, in the past few years, wait for the bulk of their official visits to take place in the fall. Do you think that given the realities of the last year, the fact that they haven't had prospects on campus in over a year, that you, don't ha- that you, that you only have one home game in September, do you think that Nebraska will try to do more official visits in the summer than they would normally? Uh, I think they'll go with whatever the schedule of the kid is more often than not. I mean, I, it, some of it depends. Like, do you, are you recruiting a bunch of kids that want to make a decision before the start of their senior year? Well, then you want to get them on campus however you can as quickly as possible. If you're recruiting kids that are going to wait until middle of October or December, then you have a little bit more flexibility there. I, 
I personally think a lot has been kind of overblown as it relates to recruiting with just having that one home game in September because Nebraska has brought kids in Thanksgiving weekend. Nebraska has brought kids in in October. It just, they make it work and they'll make this work as well. The, the bigger thing is going to be one is July going to be open because traditionally July has been a pretty, you know, you have like a 10 day stretch or a seven day stretch where kids can take visits. If both June and July are open, that's going to make it a little bit easier for Nebraska instead of, you know, four weekends in June being fighting tooth and nail with every other school in the country to host these official visits. So I think that that question could solve some of those. Um, but I, and you also get what, I mean, there are, how many are they allowed to carry over from 2020 that they didn't even, you know, no one got to use. Does everybody have 66 visits? Yeah, I don't know. That's good. Yeah. 66 visits in a year in which some, classes are going to be 12 kids so uh you can you can have a lot of off-season official visits and still have a fair amount left in the season as well it comes down to the philosophy of do you think you can still sell kids as well in the summer as you can on game day and we can run the numbers until the cows come home nebraska gets far more commitments in the off season on either side of their schedule than they ever do between August and December. It's just a way that it, you know, August and November, it's just how it always plays out. You know, this as well as I do. I mean, you might get four kids that commit five kids that commit during the football season. It'll be a little bit different this year, but in the off season, you get two thirds of your class. And so I, I just think like, if you have guys that want to come out to visit, if, if they're slotting a weekend for you, there's no reason to, to overthink it. And well, maybe we want them to come in for the Southeastern Louisiana game in November so they can see the sea at red. The other thing, um, Nebraska needs momentum. I mean, I, if this thing goes in and they have four commitments at the start of the season or something, it's going to be kind of tough on them. So I, I think that they have to be in there throwing elbows like everybody else to get kids out here this summer. You heard it here first. Nebraska throwing elbows. They always need to be throwing elbows. Flagrant ones. They, they got to create some space. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's, let's close this thing out. Everybody check out Husker 24-7. We've got updates on a number of recruits. Tim was down in Houston and Dallas. We'll have stories on James Mons coming up. Defensive back out of Georgia, uh, Richard Torres, some other players. He's got a loaded notebook that's up right now on the website here today on Tuesday. Be sure to check all that out. Brunts has been tracking free agent stuff as well in the NFL. We got baseball. You know, basketball is going to have some news at some point this week. So there's plenty going on at Husker 24-7. Be sure to check all that out. We'll catch you with another podcast on Thursday.